Do you exercise? If so, what exercise adds the greatest value to your life? I don't want to be rich, don't want to be popular, don't want to be selfish, no. I don't want to be a goat, don't want to be ignorant, don't want to be blindfolded, I just want to be countercultural. be violent, don't want to have a vendetta, don't want to be vengeful, no. I don't want to be a soldier, don't want to be militaristic, don't want to help that cycle, I just want to be a countercultural pacifist. I don't want to be a racist, don't want to be a capitalist, don't want to be sexist, no. I don't want to pass judgment, don't want to hold grudges, don't want to be hateful, I just want to be a countercultural, pacifistic, unconditional lover. I don't want to shop at Walmart, don't want to grow Monsanto, don't want to drink Coca-Cola, no. I don't want to burn petrol, don't want to eat perfect fruit, don't want to feel guilty, I just want to be a countercultural, pacifistic, unconditionally loving organic gardener. I want to be authentic, I want to be radical, I want to be optimistic, honest, beautiful, I want to be humble, I want to be progressive, I want to be open, I'm inspiration, I want to be like John Wesley, or Sarah Major, or Anna Mao, I want to be like Martin Luther, or Martin Luther King Jr., like Santa Claus, Johnny Appleseed, Dirk Belim, or Gandhi, Alexander Mack, John Klein, George Fox, or Jesus Christ, but mostly, I just want to be me. I just want to be me. I plan to hit the gym today for about 30 minutes on the elliptical and some weightlifting if all goes according to plan. Do you have an exercise plan? Since our bodies need this constant attention to perform what we ask of ourselves, what do you think our spirit requires? Dana Casal, pastor of Peace Covenant Church of the Brethren in Durham, North Carolina, offers us another look at living as dunker punks in a world ruled by the empire. She draws on illustrations that will have you thinking long and hard, which is an exercise in itself. Enjoy. Hey, Dunker Punks. Dana Cassell here, back to talk some more about how being a Dunker Punk, living in modern-day Empire of America, sort of like being Katniss Everdeen, living in the Empire of Panem. I'm pretty sure that being a Dunker Punk is such a peculiar countercultural way of choosing to live in the world that it requires some intense training. Not necessarily weapons training like Katniss did. No bow and arrow required, really and maybe not even any physical training at all. What I'm talking about is a kind of spiritual training that feels really important for Dunker Punks to commit to, 
so we can strengthen ourselves to recognize, resist, evade, refuse all the ways culture around us expects us to live those lives of distraction, excess, and isolation. Because if we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to find ourselves in some pretty tough spots. If we want to be, you know, like Jacob sings about, countercultural pacifists, unconditionally loving organic gardeners who want to practice the continuing work of Jesus peacefully, simply, and together, if we want to practice all those things Jesus preaches on the Sermon on the Mount, being salt and light for the world, loving our enemies, sharing all we have, not worrying, not judging, not doing to others anything other than we would have them do for us. If we want to be all these things that Jesus asks us to be, well, even Jesus says right there in the Sermon on the Mount, enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road is easy that leads to destruction, and there are many who take it. For the gate is narrow and the road is hard that leads to life, and there are few who find it. If we want to be dunker punks, it's going to take some training. So what does that training look like? If we were going to train to be an archer looking to bring down the capital and all its deception, we'd work out like Katniss did. We'd train with a bow and arrow, keep our skills sharp and our bodies in shape. If we were going to train to be an Olympic gold medalist like Katie Ledecky or Simone Biles, we'd be in the gym or the pool every day honing our technique and our mental toughness. Actually, I read an article about swimmer Katie Ledecky recently. She finished the 2016 Olympics here just a little bit ago with one silver medal and four gold medals. Actually, there's a great photo about when she got home, she threw the first pitch out at a Washington Nationals baseball game, and she made superstar Bryce Harper hold all those medals for her while she pitched. By all accounts, Katie Ledecky is a phenom of a swimmer. People call her the greatest athlete in the world right now. Totally unbeatable when she swims in a race. Greatest athlete in the world. Sorry, Michael Phelps. Katie Ledecky's consistency and her speed are incredible. Obviously, everybody wants to know her secret. Before the games, a website called Swimming Science even published an article called 40 Must-Do Katie Ledecky Training Tips. Except, according to everyone who knows her, Katie doesn't have training tips. There's no secret. You can look up her training regimen online. Her coach will tell you what she does every day in the pool. There's no secret, no tips. Her coach, who's quoted in another article, says, There's no magic bullet. She doesn't have this incredible wingspan. She doesn't have webbed feet. You look at Katie, and you realize the differentiator is between the ears and her heart. Her appetite for competition, her unwillingness to lose, and her embracing the challenge. And not just the challenge on competition day, which is a huge part, but the challenge of the training grind. And then he kept talking. He kept talking about how she trains. She shows up every day to swim in the pool, to train to be this incredible athlete. And her coach says, there are days she fails catastrophically. She fails in practice more than anybody in her training group because she'll start out like, this is the place I need to swim in the race, so I need to replicate it in practice. And she'll go six repeats like that, and the tank goes empty and she just falls off. But you know what? She'll come back the next day and try it again. And on the third day, she'll nail it. And she's been doing that since the first day I walked on the deck with her. From all accounts, it sort of sounds like the secret to being the greatest athlete in the world is to... (laughs) 
be boringly consistent, to show up to training every day, put in the work, set big goals, fail a lot, and keep on trucking. Which is sort of true for that spiritual training I was talking about, too. Being a dunker punk is awesome. Following Jesus is a freaking adventure. We get to do impossible, incredible things, all with great joy. And sometimes following Jesus and being a dunker punk gets really, really difficult. Whether it's disagreeing with your family or friends, facing really hard decisions about how to live your life and what to do, standing up for people everybody else seems to be ignoring or oppressing, loving your enemies, practicing simple living or cultivating community. This kind of life can be hard. Which is why I think the secret to being a dunker punk, following Jesus, and living a Sermon on the Mount kind of life is just like Katie Ledecky's training secret. Be boringly consistent. Show up to training every day. Put in the work, set big goals, fail a lot for sure, and keep on trucking. No need to put on your swimming cap for this training, though. This kind of training involves scripture, prayer, and spending time every day engaging and strengthening the part of ourselves that connect us to God and one another. I actually think it's really easy to neglect the spiritual part of ourselves because the spiritual part of who we are doesn't really tend to be flashy. There are no commercials advertising ways to get spiritually stronger in 30 days or your money back. Spiritual practices require commitment, consistency, and a willingness to be a tiny bit out of touch with the breakneck pace of the rest of the world. Interestingly, though, there are as many ways to engage our spiritual selves as there are people in the world. But we are lucky to live in the midst of an ancient stream of Christian tradition full of tried and true ways of praying and reading scripture, these practices passed down to us from thousands of years of devoted and faithful dunker punks and others. In my congregation this summer, we've been experimenting with some of these ancient practices of prayer. We've explored Lectio Divina, which is a way of reading scripture so that it settles deeper into our souls praying the Psalms, where you can find almost any human emotion you can think of right there in the poetry of the ancient people of God. We learned about centering prayer, which is a way of sitting quietly and simply luxuriating in the knowledge that you are a created and beloved child of God. We tried observing Sabbath, like you know, an intentional day of rest, that one's really hard. We even walked a labyrinth. Have you ever tried that? It's laid out on the ground, sort of like a maze, but there's only one path. And the idea is that as you walk into the center, you let go of all that holds you back. And then you stand in the middle and receive God's love and grace and blessings and walk back out into the world full of these beautiful gifts of God. You can check out these practices really easily. Just Google one of them and you'll find a treasure trove of history and how-tos. 
My congregation also experimented with a way of praying that's called the examine, and I'd like to invite you into that practice right now. The examine is an old, old, old way of praying. Got sort of written down and into its current form by St. Ignatius of Loyola, who started an entire order of monks a long, long time ago. They're called the Jesuits. You might know about them. It turns out they show up really frequently in America during March Madness because a lot of Jesuit colleges turn out to be really good at basketball. But St. Ignatius um, didn't really care much about basketball, I don't think. St. Ignatius laid out this entire system for how all the monks would live their lives in his Jesuit order. He laid out a system of retreats and fasts and ways to read scripture and different ways of praying, a whole way of life bathed in prayer. But the most important element of the spiritual exercises, which is what they were called, was this really simple prayer called the examine of conscience. And Ignatius said that this was the most important part. The examine is really, really simple. And when I explain it, you will probably recognize it as something that you've done before, maybe at camp, maybe around your dinner table, you'll recognize it. Basically, the examine is a way of sitting back, reflecting on your day, and being intentional about noticing those times and places and moments where you felt close to God, where you noticed God at work in your life and in the world. So what you do is you kind of find a comfortable place and settle yourself in, And you take a deep breath or two deep breaths. And usually it's good to do this like in the evening of the day. So you can look back on all that's happened during our busy, active lives. So you settle in to a quiet place. Take a couple deep breaths. And then you start very slowly to review your entire day. And the way you do that is you go moment by moment. From the moment that you woke up. Moments during the morning and midday, moments into the afternoon, moment by moment. I sort of envision it as flipping through a card catalog of all the moments during the day. When you think about where you were and what you were doing and who you saw, who you interacted with, what you ate, what you smelled, how you felt, and you do this very slowly through the whole of your day morning to evening, moment by moment. And then, after you've kind of flipped through every moment, you step back and you ask yourself, during which of those moments did I feel closest to God? And you spend some time reflecting on that, and then you step back and you ask yourself a second question, during which of those moments did I feel farthest away from God? And you think about those moments, And you hold on to them for just a minute in your meditation, and your prayer. And then you end the prayer by reminding yourself that in every moment of this day, God has been present, whether you felt close or far away. And that God's promise for every coming day is that God will be present with you in every moment tomorrow, whether you feel close or far away. Then you take another deep breath can open your eyes if you've closed them. And that's it. That's the whole prayer. What happens when you pray the examine day after day and week after week and month after month? 
What happens when you commit to the boringly consistent practice of prayer in this way is that, first of all, you start to notice some patterns in your life. You might start to say, oh my gosh, my far away from God moment, like seven times this month, had to do with that person that I really can't stand. Maybe God's really asking me to do some work on that relationship. Maybe I really need to be practicing reconciliation. Or you might discover that, you know, oh my goodness, 14 times this month, I felt closest to God when I was volunteering at that elementary school down the road. Maybe there's some kind of vocation for me there. Maybe I should spend more time thinking about what that means in my life. Those are pretty intense examples. I've also found that the examine helped me to learn that I find God very often in dark chocolate, that I feel far away from God very often when I have to wake up earlier than normal. Mundane or really intense, the examine reveals to us these things about our lives that we tend to walk right past on a daily basis. God is always present with us. God is in mundane moments and God is in meaningful moments. God is with us when we're groggy in the morning and napping in the afternoon. God is with us when we are at the heights of joy and the depths of sorrow. What the examine does is begins to bring to our attention the ways that we are connected to God and the places where we feel far away. And when we begin to see those patterns after days and weeks and months of boringly consistent spiritual practice, being intentional about our training, shaping a spiritual part of us, bringing ourselves closer and closer in God's circle of light, we begin to notice ways we might be different or things we might celebrate or calls that God might be placing on our life. It's incredibly simple and incredibly powerful. The other thing about the examine is that it can also be really powerful when we do it in community. So it might be something that we do with our housemates or our family. Or, for instance, I used to keep a blog of my examine every day, and my grandma read it. And she read it so often that her Christmas gifts to me changed because she knew what I liked, even when I lived far away. Silly and also meaningful. When we share the practice, the examine, or really any other prayer practice, spiritual practice, when we share them in community, we also find that the bonds that draw us together, the Holy Spirit that moves between and among us, is at work. And we learn to know each other in a different way. It draws us closer. Can you imagine sitting down at the dinner table every evening and sharing with your family or your friends where you felt God in the day? That would change the tenor of a lot of dinner table conversations, I think. So, Dunker gardener. Here's my invitation. Do you want to try the examine out right here, right now? Are you sure? You can say no. It's okay. There's no force in religion. No force on the Dunker Punks podcast. If you want to try, I'll lead us through it. There will be times of silence, and I'll give instructions for what to do next. So don't worry about remembering how it was supposed to go or what you're supposed to be doing. Just find a comfortable spot. Close your eyes if you want. Take a few deep breaths and quiet your brain and your spirit. 
And then allow your soul to be open to God's presence. As we begin, start to review this entire day. Moment by moment, from the moment you woke up this morning, where were you? Who were you with? What did you see? And then move through the day, through your morning and into midday, continuing to review each moment, how you felt, what you ate, what you saw. Move again through the moments, the afternoon. Who were you with? What were your conversations like? Did you find yourself in any surprising situations? Moment by moment, review the day. And move into the evening, still flipping through and recalling how you felt in each moment. Continue reviewing these moments and moving through them every moment, right up to this moment right now. And then as you finish reviewing every moment of your day, ask yourself, during which of all those moments did I feel closest to God?
And then also ask yourself, during which of all those moments did I feel farthest away from God? And then, as you end the meditation, remind yourself that God has been with you in every moment of this day, whether you felt close or far away, and that God's promise to you is to be present with you in every moment that's coming tomorrow. Then take one more deep breath and return back here to the podcast. So, how did it feel to pray like that? Awesome? Awful? Did you feel more connected to God? Did you feel like you were in training to be the best dunker punk you could be? Think you might want to try doing it again? Think you might want to try doing it regularly? The thing about the exam is that it is super simple. Did you ever do highs and lows at camp? It's just like that. It's easy to do at the dinner table with your family, at the end of the week with your housemates, or even on the phone with your long-distance significant other. Because it's simple, it makes for a really good way of praying consistently. It's a really convenient practice for getting your soul into dunker-punk-ready shape. Remember how I talked about Katie Ledecky's coach? He says that she is such a superstar, not because of any magical training or tricks, but because she's consistent and committed to her training. There was that article called 40 Must-Do Katie Ledecky Training Trips in the magazine, and her coach reacted to that. The magazine tweeted about the article, and he reacted with a combination of bemusement and annoyance. He thinks, that's silly. So he tweeted right back at them. Tip number 41, he tweeted in reply, just do the work. Just do the work. Show up. Pray. Engage the spiritual part of who you are. Be intentional about connecting with God regularly. We are so lucky to be walking in the midst of this ancient religious tradition that has handed down to us incredible resources and practices for how to do this. Take some time to learn about one or two of them. Google spiritual practices. Check out the Gravity Center for contemplation and action. Learn more about the examine or the labyrinth or centering prayer. Tweet dunker punks some other way you learn to pray. Take some time to experiment with these ways of praying, ways of training, ways of connecting with God. Dunker punks, what will your training regimen look like? So are you ready to head to the gym, the spiritual gym? Dana has given us a good challenge worthy of those who commit to following Jesus. As she told us, the path is narrow. It sounds like these spiritual exercises will help us stay on the Jesus path. Are you ready to try? Or do you already use them? Since Dana gave us so much to chew on, I'm going to give you a gift and a personal story. 
The gift is that I'm asking Suzanne to insert the exact time that Dana begins to walk you through the examined practice. That way, you can easily return to it again and again. Or, if you happen to be on a treadmill right now, or a commuter train as you listen, you can return to her guided examine at a time when you are ready to reflect on your day. What is the timestamp, Suzanne? That'd be 19 minutes and 40 seconds to Dana's guided examine and the beautiful background music of Waltz to a Woodthrush. As for my story, it was the first time I was challenged to try one of these spiritual practices. I had driven two hours to a seminary class in a lot of morning traffic between cities. Naturally, being me, I had consumed several large cups of coffee and was charged up and ready to stay wide awake in another challenging seminary class. Only when I got to class, the leader said, now we are going to experience the spiritual practice of centering prayer, and we will sit in place for 20 minutes of silence. Well, I was less than enthused. In fact, the only thing I was enthusiastic about was my negative response. I was way too fired up with caffeine and resistance to sit still. Even my legs were jumpy. It was not a good way to begin a spiritual exercise regime. I told myself these practices were for a personality type way different than my own. I preferred to keep my learning on the intellectual level, and I complained loudly that these practices weren't for active people like me. Yes, it's true. Sadly, I was the typical uncooperative student. Eventually, the professor took me aside and said, Okay, Nancy, maybe these aren't for you, but how are you going to teach them with integrity? that challenge began my slow beginning with spiritual exercises. Like many runners who really don't like running yet find the benefits to be worth the chore, I was surprised with my eventual response. I've heard runners say that there is a peace that comes with physical exercise and long exertion. Well, I slowly learned that spiritual practices were for people like me. In fact, I grew to appreciate the amazing, strong connection with God that I have in moments when I practice the examine or centering prayer or walk the labyrinth. I hope you will too. The gift of these practices is not something easily placed into words, so you're really going to have to try for yourself. What you will find is a small amount of mental preparation and maybe avoiding overconsumption of caffeine will give you an experience worthy of your time. What I have learned, the hard way, is I don't make a connection with God through these practices. All I do is welcome God to be in my consciousness, in my day, in my heart, in my mind. And God does all the rest. The author of the letter to the Ephesians wrote about growing in maturity as we are equipped by God to do ministry among all God's people. By speaking the truth with love, let's grow in every way into Christ, who is the head. The whole body grows with him, as it is joined and held together by all the supporting ligaments. The body makes itself grow in that it builds itself up with love as each one does their part. Our spiritual ligaments are meant to be worked, so we can grow in our own embodied faith and as a faithful community of Dunker Punks. I pray for you today, dear Jesus followers that you will have the opportunity to practice these ways to grow your body and spirit. 
for I am sure that God awaits our decision to spend intentional time in practices that welcome the Holy Divine Spirit into the hours of our day. The Dunker Punk Podcast has a dozen or so contributors who seek being salt and light for the world, loving our enemies, sharing all we have, not worrying, not judging, not doing to others anything other than we would have them do for us. I produced the show with Suzanne Lay, who edited the audio this week. Jacob Krause is our wonderful musician. In our next episode, Dylan Del Haro is back to challenge our ideas about gender. Until then, Dunker Punks. So do what you do. You ain't through till it's finished, man. That's what winners do. Winners do.